Texas or Colorado? Texas. Judging or horse show mom? Horse show mom, because I get to talk to more people. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> now, um, since you work with the NSBA, I have to ask, do you like O-ring snaffles or D-ring snaffles? O-ring. On a road trip, are you the passenger or are you the driver? Passenger if I'm with my husband, driver if with my kids. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> okay, now here's your farm question. Do you prefer the roll-on fly repellent or SWAT? SWAT. Kind of harkening back to your education, do you choose form or do you choose function? Function. And I've got a mean one, AQHA or APHA? Oh, that is mean. My answer is AQHA because I've always been involved with AQHA as a kid, today, but I worked for APHA and I love that breed and I love those people, but my heart has always been with the quarter horse. Western pleasure or horsemanship? Oh, horsemanship all day long. Line dance or two-step? Gosh, line dancing is the worst invention ever. So two-step, two-step, two-step. And then the last one, University of Georgia or Colorado State? Oh, I'm always going to believe golden green, Colorado State. Amen. Go Rams. <laughs> Go Rams. Hey, folks. This podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinville. Let's tack up and head out. Tina Anderson, PhD, is currently the Director of New Product Strategy and Development for Farnham Horse Care Products. Her professional experience spans over 25 years in general management and leadership and includes roles in consumer goods, academics, research, association management, and consulting, all within the equine industry. She is also an AQHA and NSBA judge and actively participates in AQHA competition at a national level. Tina, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We're looking forward to getting to know you. You're welcome. Been looking forward to uh, our conversation this afternoon as well, Katie. We'd love to get to know what exactly it is that you do in your own words. So I am the Director of New Product Strategy and Development for the equine division of Central Garden and Pet. Most horse owners are gonna know that as Farnham. So basically, I am tasked with bringing all of equine's new products to the shelves for horse owners. And that can be from coming up with an idea in my head, all the way through R&D and testing and packaging and everything until it hits the shelf. Can you give us an example of some of the products that you worked on? Sure. So sometimes we do something as simple as just repackaging an existing product to make it more current and relevant for the end user and for our demographic, which basically is a female horse owner. So a simple project that I initiated a few years ago was changing some of our gallon fly spray bottles from what we call a radiator style bottle where you have to hang on to it from the top mm -hmm. to a drain back bottle, which we like to use the example of a detergent bottle. Oh. So it's as simple as moving the handle to the side and having a funnel on the top and it just makes refilling your fly sprays that much easier. It's easier to handle, it's easier to pour from and it's easier to refill our fly sprays. So. That's kind of an example of something very simple. 
and then something much more complicated um, might be in the supplement category where we work with a PhD equine nutritionist to develop a formula, you know, from the laptop computer to the lab where we'll do a pilot batch of a product. Then we're going to go out and do a palatability trial on horses to make sure that they love it and eat it. We do stability trials to make sure that the product is going to, you know, withstand the test of time and heat and temperature changes, et cetera, and that that formula is still efficacious and, and works as it's intended to for the horse. Um, then we select packaging to put it in. We either manufacture it ourselves or we find a contract manufacturer and bring it all the way to market. So an example of that might be, uh, let's see, um, one of the first products I worked on was a Horseshoer Secret Extra Strength. So it's a brand new, it was a brand new formula at the time for um, hoof supplements, also was uh, developed for horses' hoofs and legs and tendons and soft tissue support as well. So we we worked with an in-house um, equine nutritionist and brought that all the way from formulation all the way through to a, a, a new um, form of feed, a, a, an extruded nugget, and have it in some unique packaging as well. So and we've got lots of things in the pipeline right now coming down coming down the down the track for horse owners. Wow. That's brilliant. I mean, I think we all look at the products on the shelves, right? And we think, you know, how they apply to our lives. But I think very seldom do we as horse owners step back and think about the entire process that it takes to get it from, you know, someone's brainchild all the way through to put it on those shelves so that we can buy it as consumers. And you have a hand in every step of that phase. How cool is that? Yeah, it's been really cool. And trust me, I was right there with you. <laughs> when I embarked on this journey, I had no idea how many steps were involved. And that's kind of my joke to people. It's like, you have no idea how many steps it takes to get from your brain all the way to the shelf. It's just, it's crazy, especially within, you know, a large corporate company like ours, because we're very systems oriented and every, you would not believe all the details of you know, every label has its own number. Every raw ingredient has its own number and the checks and balances. And, you know, we work with engineers that will study how a product flows through the manufacturing system. And we work with this amazing team of scientists that, you know, study um, toxicology and efficacy and all kinds of things. So it's just been amazing the amount of, of people that I get to work with every day that are so much smarter than me that, um, you know, just make our products um, as great as they are. Oh, I'm sure. Can you give us a tangible, like typical day in the life of Tina? So my, my days aren't always typical. Um, our Farnham is based out of Phoenix, Arizona, and Center Garden and Pet Headquarters are in Walnut Creek, California. I don't have to go there very often, but I do go to Phoenix about one week of every month. Um, I just came back Friday night, in fact, from being in Phoenix last week. So not a bad time of year to get to go to Phoenix. Um, we have a manufacturing plant in Dallas. We have a manufacturing and our distribution center is in Council Bluffs, Iowa. We have corporate offices in Atlanta, Schomburg, Illinois. So because of that, I work remotely. So I work in my home office um, west of Weatherford, Texas. 
So my typical day is, uh, um, you know, once I've got up and done my workout that kills me every day, I, uh, <laughs> I plop at my desk and, you know, my joke is my life is a WebEx. So we, ha- because we're so, you know, work with so many cross-functional teams, um, a lot of our meetings are on WebEx. So I spend a lot of time um, on the phone, on my computer, sharing screens, et cetera. But then, you know, it, in the end, I'm a project manager. So I'm constantly tracking timelines and projects and putting out fires and tying up loose ends. Um, I'm part of our equine leadership team with our general manager. So he's got to manage up to the president of our division and ultimately to the CEO of our company. And all of that is very financially driven. So spend a lot of time analyzing um, our P&Ls, our budgets and operating plans and forecasts, et cetera. So I've, I've learned a whole lot about that um, in recent years. Uh, but then I will spend time sometimes that are independent retailers or tractor supply stores, um, looking at our products and competitive products on shelves. Um, sometimes I need to go out and test products. So I'll head to the barn with some products. I'll head to some horse owners that I know locally. Um, I often go to our manufacturing plant in Dallas to, you know, meet with and work with our R&D team and our engineers there. Um, Went on a trip recently to Ohio to visit a potential new contract manufacturer. So I tour their facility and and look at their quality agreements and their you know, operational plans and, and what they could provide for us in terms of manufacturing some products for us. So I, um, I, I spend, you know, the majority of my time in my office, but I have a lot of opportunity to be out, um, you know, working with a lot of these cross-functional teams. And then, of course, you know, we like to be in front of the horse industry as much as possible at trade shows and events. So often I, at a booth, not real often, but, you know, there are some times when it makes sense for me to be there with what I do, or I might know a certain segment of the industry. And so it's like, oh, Tina, those are your people. Can you please go to the NSBA for us <laughs> kind of thing? So, um, so I, I get an opportunity to do a lot of different things. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> I mean, I was just writing notes while you were saying all of that. And so everything from from meetings to leadership to project management to working with retailers to working in manufacturing to traveling to working with your profit and loss to going to trade shows. You want to talk about variety. You've got it all, girl. Really, that's been the thing that I've probably enjoyed the most about uh, this career change. It's been about six years working with Farnham is I, I do touch so many different things which allows me to learn because that's what kind of keeps me alive, right? That's, that's what makes, that's what makes, you know, heartbeat a little bit is, is always learning. If I, if I feel like I'm getting stale and can do my job with, you know, my eyes closed, my hands on my back, I, I get bored real quick. So I need to always be challenged and be learning. And, and this opportunity is, has definitely led me down that path. It sure sounds like it. Well, let's talk about your journey so we can get a little of that backstory. So what's your education? And then from college, kind of where do you end up now? What was that path like? Sure. I'll try to make it condensed because my journey is kind of interesting. But um, that's the best part. The common thread, <laughs> yeah, the common thread about my whole journey is it's always been about horses. So I grew up in Colorado, born and raised. And um, when I was in high school, learned about this new program that Colorado State was embarking on, the equine sciences program. So 
I have an, un, my undergraduate degree in equine sciences from Colorado State University. Both my parents went to CSU. Um, three of my siblings went to Colorado State. So we were big, you know, big CSU family. And, and when I was at Colorado State, people would say, well, how long have you been here? And my answer was since high school, literally since high school. So I, I went there just to get a bachelor of science degree and, you know, typical high school kid, what do you want to do? I wanted to be a horse trainer. Well, it turns out I'm probably not very talented in being a horse trainer. So <laughs> I, I decided pretty quickly that I didn't really want to be a horse trainer. And I thought I wanted to teach maybe at a junior college. I was on the horse judging team. Uh, Dr. Jim Hurd was um, my coach. And I loved that, you know, highly competitive person, loved that. And one day he walked into my office because I was doing a summer internship out there. And he said, I have um, an assistantship for you to be a graduate student. And I said, well, that's nice, but I'm not going to graduate school. <laughs> and long story short, I went to graduate school <laughs> um, and did my master's in reproduction. CSU is world-renowned in equine reproduction. So I did a master's degree in equine reproduction. I helped coach horse judging teams um, with Dr. Hurd. And in the midst of that, he moved over to the dean's office. And so they were left without a faculty member and horse judging team coach and offered me a position as an instructor. So I took the job as an instructor while I finished my master's degree. And, you know, most students that do a master's degree in equine repro go on to work at a breeding farm. That wasn't um, my passion. So I stayed as an instructor and ultimately served as the short course coordinator, kind of oversaw all their continuing education programs. And was quite happy doing that. And in the midst of all of that, a new director of the equine sciences program came over from the vet school, Dr. Wayne McElraith, who's a world-renowned um, equine orthopedic surgeon. Mm -hmm. And he walked in my office one day and said, I understand you have an interest in confirmation. And I said, I do. And he said, good, you're going to do a PhD with me. And I said, no, I'm not going to do a PhD. <laughs> well, long story short, I did a PhD with Dr. Wayne McElraith in uh, equine orthopedics. <laughs> The relationship between confirmation and, and orthopedic soundness. So that's where um, that took me. And then I stayed on as a faculty member where I was there for 10 years teaching undergraduate students, doing research in equine orthopedics, hauling judging teams up and down the road. And by the way, I was married and had two children in the midst of all of this and um, really really wanted to get back to what I initially wanted to go to college for, and that was to work in the industry, not in academics. So in the year 2000, we moved from uh, um, Colorado to Texas uh, with our two small children, and I went to work for the American Paint Horse Association as the director of shows and department head of performance. So helped manage the Paint World Show. It was one big world show at the time, um, ran the department that oversaw judges, amateur program, the youth program, and anything that had to do with showing, show processing, show results, show awards, year-end awards, that kind of thing. Um, and was there till the year 2006, where a um, longtime friend of mine called me one morning when I was driving to work and said, hey, would you be interested in a different gig? And I said... Well, I don't know about that. I kind of like my gig. What you got? And he said, well, we are hiring a PhD um, for Purina in this area to be an equine specialist. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not an equine nutritionist. My PhD is in orthopedics. And he said, well, will you have, have breakfast with my boss? And so I did. And long story short, I went to work for Purina Animal Health. 
and was an equine specialist. I think you've interviewed Megan Bryant with mm-hmm. Karina. Yeah. So I did a lot of similar things that she did, um, but I was focused solely on horses and really didn't have dealer responsibility. So I consulted with all the large farms in North Texas um, with feeding their horses and, uh, you know, gaining more business um, for Purina and truly believed I was going to retire working for Purina. I loved working for that company that much. Um, got another call one day from a gentleman that um, was doing some recruiting I'd talked to before to help him kind of fill some positions. And I answered the phone and I said, I, I don't know that I have anything for what you're looking for. He was looking for a breed association outside of Texas. And, and he says, no, no, I'm not calling about that today. I'm calling about you. I have an opportunity for you. And I said, well, I'm not looking for a job. And he says, well, what about Farnham? And I said, well, where are they? And he said, Phoenix. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to leave Texas. And he goes, well, I don't think you'd have to just hear me out. And so again, long story short, here I am working, working for Farnham. So <laughs> I've taken a few turns along the way, but it's always had to do something with horses and trying to use my, my advanced degrees to the best of, of what will serve those industries. Well, most people that tell me they've had an interesting journey, you know, they ended up out of horses or in something totally out of left field before they end up back in horses. But each one of the steps along your path, you have just hit the trifecta of really amazing, cool companies to work for. Yeah, I've been really, really lucky. Um, but what's so interesting is if somebody told you 30 years ago, 20 years ago, this is what you were going to be doing, it would have been like, absolutely not, you know. Um, but it's still in the horse industry. And, and that's what you know, that's what makes me wake up and be passionate every day. Um, you know, there's so many things I've learned. I've been in sales, basically. I've been in nonprofit management. Um, you know, now I'm in product development. Um, you know, I could take those to other industries for sure, but but I'm not sure I would be near as excited about it if it didn't have something to do with the horse industry. Sure, that's priceless. Well, Tina, is there a common myth that people might have about your position or your profession or working for a product company in general? And can we bust it? Um, I thought about that a little bit. I think the the common myth is, is maybe one that I thought, you know, coming in is that, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of our conversations, you have no idea the steps that it takes to get a product on a shelf. Um, and the other thing I think that is a common myth is that we just mix stuff up in a bathtub and put it in a bucket and put it on a shelf. And, and unfortunately, there are individuals and there are companies that are doing just that. Um, but if you really want um, a high quality product for your horse, and I'm not just saying far enough, if you want a high quality product for your horse, look to those companies that are scaled with researchers and scientists and regulatory groups that are really doing things right. You know, um, we get frustrated sometimes by looking at competitive products that are making outlandish claims on their products, but our regulatory agencies don't have the time to chase down the little guys. But a big company makes an outlandish claim, and I promise you, we would be shut down or our hands would be slapped immediately because, you know, we're kind of in the, in the limelight a little bit. So, um, you know, no matter what the product, look to those companies that have history and are staffed with 
you know, professionals in not just marketing and, uh, you know, that, that good spin, but that they're really doing the research and testing their products and, and abiding by the regulatory guidelines and, you know, really have your, your horse's health and uh, well-being as, you know, at heart for them. You know, it's, it's in their best interest. You know, and I would think um, that your education and all the science background that you've had really helps you take that scientific approach to looking at research and to evaluating that data. I imagine that has to come in super handy. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I'm I'm probably um, too much of a purist when it comes to that because, you know, in the end, companies like to sell products. But, uh, but there's a lot of times when, you know, I will dig in my heels and say, no, we, we cannot do that. There is no data to support it. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a hot topic right now. Um, and I, it's one that I've, I've kind of dug in my heels a little bit is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of trends going on right now with CBD products for horses. It gets down to the fact there is no data. There is no data on horses. Um, and people like to extrapolate human nutrition and human data to their horses. But until you know whether it's safe for your horse or efficacious for your horse, we're not going to put it in a bucket and sell it. You know, so there's there's some pretty good examples there of, you know, where, where my, you know, research and academic background um, definitely comes to play because, you know, we're, we're not going to put out a product that we know doesn't work. We're not going to put out a product that we think might work, you know. So um, definitely a, um, I'm not the only one. You know, we've, we've got a, a team of people that, that believe the same way. Well, thank you so much for being a champion for the horse owner. It is relieving to hear that there are people like you advocating for us and advocating for not only the products that we have to choose from on the shelves, but literally what is best for our horses. You bet. I've got several of my own. I want to make sure that they're getting the right things too. So, Well, let's talk a little bit more about sort of your roadmap. Um, so we got kind of the overall journey. And you mentioned before that it was not obvious at all that this is where you'd end up. You thought you were going to train horses. What kind of, I mean, what was your future there when you thought, I'm going to go out and I'm going to train rainers or cutters or what were you hoping for? Well, that was probably more as a kid, really, not even as a, as a college student, because I think that's all you know. I think a lot of times kids that love horses and ride and train or show, you know, it's like, I want to stay in the horse industry, so I guess I'll be a horse trainer because that's all you know. Totally. Um, by the time I hit college, I really did believe I wanted to do something in the industry, something on the business side of the industry. And I just didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I finished my bachelor's degree, I, I did love teaching because I was helping, you know, uh, do that with the professors. And I, I loved teaching and I, I still love teaching today. And so I, I really thought that that was my place. But um, I, I think you know, if there's anything, and, and I, you know, I'm on faculty for 10 years, this is what I would tell students then, and anybody that will uh, listen now, I tell them is, you know, it is a huge industry. There are so many different opportunities. If you want to be involved in horses, if you, if you have the talent and the work ethic and the skill to be a horse trainer, by all means, be a horse trainer. Um, if you have grown up and all you wanted to do was 
to work with horses and make them better every day and you're brilliant and you want to chase that path of being a veterinarian, by all means, be a veterinarian. But outside of being a veterinarian and a horse trainer, there are a million opportunities. Um, you know, you and I met at the American Association of Equine Practitioners Convention, which is for equine veterinarians. Mm-hmm. But that trade show, if you think about it, was a walking career fair. So you know, there were um, product companies, there were marketing companies, there were imaging companies, there were drug companies. Um, you can get involved in sales. You can get involved in manufacturing. You can get involved in social media management. You know, there's just so many different opportunities within the horse industry that you just have to figure out how to combine your passions to, you know, get to the place that you want to be. Amen. And listen to this podcast so that you know what all the great things are out there. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, let's keep on the advice train. Um, Yeah, AAP is a huge, exactly what you said, walking trade show. And I think I learned a lot just being there and seeing all the the different people, right? And meeting the people. Um, So that's my advice to everyone is, you know, go out and see things and meet people and and get out of your box. But if you could turn back time and talk to your freshman college self or give advice to those who are kind of on that same phase of their life, what's the advice that you would give? Well, not only would I give it to myself and to other students, but if I was still back at the university, I would give it to the curriculum committee because I I find young people that I've worked with throughout my career that I've, you know, hired and um, worked with, but even in my own work, there are a couple things that are really lacking. We in the horse industry think that learning everything there is to know about the horse is the only thing that's important. And by all means, we, yes, need to learn everything there is about the horse. But if you're going to end up in any business, whether you're a horse trainer, a veterinarian, or in new product development, you need to learn about um, profit and loss. I think if I could go back and tell myself uh, anything, it would be to learn more about finance and forecasting and, um, you know, writing business plans and that kind of thing. Just anything that you can learn about finance would be of value. Um, And then the other thing is just writing skills. And, and by that, I don't mean R-I-D-I-N-G. I I mean, (laughs) W-R-I-T-I-N-G. I feel like I got to be a pretty good technical writer. I had some amazing mentors in my career, uh, Bill Pickett, Ed Squires, Wayne McElroy, Jim Hurd, um, that, that really taught me to be a, a very good technical writer, correct grammar, sentence structure, that sort of thing. Whew, I see some pretty poor writing skills, <laughs> you know, whether it's, uh, you know, having, ask, having somebody ask me to proofread a, a press release or a, you know, marketing ad or campaign to, a, you know, rule change proposal in the past, technical flyer, you know, not yeah. calling any one person out. It's just, it's, that's something that we all can do better at. And, and I think, um, with technology today and, and not really having to put paper to pen or pen to paper. I mean, um, mm-hmm. we, we don't get to practice that skill near as much. I mean, at the end of the day, we still have to be able to run a business, whether it's horses or anything else, and we got to be able to communicate. So don't skip on your finance classes and take a technical writing course or two because it'll pay off tenfold. Do you have advice for anyone that's just looking to get into the equine industry in general? 
like maybe it's a career change or a life change, but just looking from the inside out, do you have any advice for those people? You know, I, I think you said it a few minutes ago is just get out of your box and, and talk to people. You know, it's, it's crazy how small the world is really. Um, just, you know, talk to as many people as you can, listen to podcasts like this, um, reach out to other individuals. Um, and like you said, seek out those trade shows or industry events, uh, walk around, you know, even if it's a big horse show, walk around and talk to people at the different booths and ask how they got into doing what they're doing. And, you know, be prepared with, um, you know, a personal business card and, and ask to shadow people, you know, that's the best opportunity you can do. And is, um, you know, it doesn't even have to be a formal internship, but just, you know, hey, can I ride along with you for a day and see what your job is like? And, and you may go home that night and go, whew, that is not for me. I thought that was going to be a super fun career, but that looks terrible. You know, so, so get some hands-on, one-on-one experience. That is very true. You know, and this podcast has definitely proven that to me over and over again, is just how willing people are to share in this industry. Like everyone wants to, you know, give their advice and share their leg up. And all you really have to do is ask. You know, I haven't hit any roadblocks where people are like, oh, no, I can't. I can't share my journey with you. You know, we're all very much like, yeah, we want to make the horse industry bigger and better. Like, let's talk about it. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the horse industry is only going to um, continue to flourish if if we all work together, right? It doesn't make any sense at all for everybody to work within their own silos. So, um, you know, you're right. Almost everybody you run into in the horse industry wants to make the horse industry a better place uh, for everybody because just is that much more opportunity for each one of us. So true. Well, let's talk more about your horses. Who do you have standing in your pasture right now? Well, standing in my pasture right now are um, Annie and Willow. And Annie is due to fall March 17th. So that's my latest gig. Is I've kind of transitioned and thought, you know, being a breeder sounds like a really smart thing to do. But <laughs> here I am and I can't wait. Yeah. And then um, my, uh, you know, probably my other... I judge a lot. I'm an AQHA and NSBA judge. You know, I, I get my um, my joy out of going to a lot of horse shows and, and judging horse shows. And uh, a big part of that um, in the, you know, most recent years has, has been being the horse show mom. Uh, my daughter is, is an adult now, but she showed from the time she was about seven years old. So that was that was something that she and I have always done together. And she started showing again now that she's out of college and uh, into a career. And so I still tag along uh, with her to her horse shows. So pretty, pretty proud of that. And um, we'll probably keep finger in it that way as well. Definitely. Can you share your most memorable moment in the equine industry? You know, I, I thought about that and I, there's just not one. I think I would have to say I've made memories along the way. The thing that I probably cherish the most is the students that I had at Colorado State University. Some of them today are still some of my very best friends. In fact, my kids always laugh. They're like, isn't that weird? You were their professor, mom. They're your friend. And, but they are. They're like my very best of friends. And, you know, many times I've reached out and asked them to help me. And many times they've reached out and needed my help. You know, maybe they're changing careers or, you know, needing help in what they're doing. And so there's just so many of them that, you know, I call them my kids, but 
I've, I've maintained connection with so many of those students. And then at APHA, I'm so proud of some of the things that we are able to do there in, you know, bringing that industry forward and the growth of the paint horse industry and managing that world show and brought some things to the judges program that they hadn't done before in terms of education and testing. And, you know, that was a really proud thing and, and memories there. I mean, just great people to work with and great members and horses and, and with Purina, I just, I mean, it was family to me. That whole group of people was just family. And I had the amazing opportunity to consult with some of the top equine competitors in the world that live right here in North Texas, you know, with their horses. And just, you know, sometimes I think, you know, I pinch myself the famous horses that I've seen and the famous people that I've got to work with. And, you know, I got to ride in the NCHA cutting as a sponsored rider for Purina once and just do a lot of you know, great things. And, uh, you know, and then now I'm, I'm kind of proud of, you know, all my babies that end up on the shelf um, at your local tax store that uh, I had was instrumental in bringing from all the way up from conception to birth. So um, I just, I think you just have to make memories along the way. I love all of that. You have a lot to be proud of. Uh, it's very cool to hear you talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's a great industry. You know, people are People in the horse industry because they love something, right? They're passionate about something, and and it's something that brings us so much joy. So, uh, it's a it's a great great way to live. Well, Tina, I would love to get your horse industry recommendation. So again, the anything horse related. I know you probably have several to choose from, uh, but we'd love to hear you know what it is that you want our listeners to check out. I'm way too biased because anytime you say a you know something for from the horse industry, I I think of you know, where my background is. And, <laughs> That's um, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I have a few favorites, I guess, within Farnham. Maybe one of my most favorites is our continuous spray fly sprays. And I think they're like the best kept secret. <laughs> so we have some new fly sprays out, Indoor, Tritech, and Grand Champion, which is an awesome one if you're showing. But they spray upside down. And, you know, a horse is not a... Uh, flat object right so you need to be able to spray under their bellies and between their legs and it's this really fine mist and they're quiet and you don't have to pump your hands 600 times so that's probably some of my uh one of my real favorites is those continuous spray fly sprays so you can check those out so smart um, was that one of your was yeah. that a great child of you it was, it was. I um, I don't like aerosols. They're, you know, bad for the environment and they're cold and they don't empty all the way. And yeah. and all of our fly sprays when I went to work for Farnham were all what you call like a trigger fly spray, you know, that you have to kind of pump your hand and they don't fly up, spray upside down. So, so yeah, so we moved some of our, um, our formulas into those delivery systems and I really like those. So, um, yeah. Do you have any non-horse recommendations? So I know that's hard when those of us who eat, sleep, and breathe horses all day, but <laughs> we'd love to know, do you have any like books or podcasts or TV shows or places you've been, literally anything under the sun that's not horse related that you want to share? Gosh, aren't I terrible? I like pretty much do everything horses. When, I mean, what did I do yesterday? I went to the Fort Worth Stock Show Rodeo. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> all the things I do relate. What shows do I like? Oh, I love Yellowstone. <laughs> I love, uh, you know, so those kinds of things. 
not ashamed to tell you I do love The Bachelor. It's coming on tonight. It's like ridiculous and just good entertainment. But I have become a podcast junkie. So um, I work with a gal named Julie Hofling in Phoenix. She also shows horses. So we're like horse nuts. And then one of our sales girls. And we're nonstop sending podcasts back and forth. So I, I love um, podcasts like yours where they're, you know, like informative education. I actually, again, it's horse related. I'm sorry, but I love Andrea Fapani's um, podcast yeah. uh, along for the ride because he's interviewed a lot of people that were Purina customers of mine. And I've picked up so many little tidbits from him, but then we totally get into like, Dirty John and Dr. Death and Cold and all those little murder mysteries, F-Town. So that's been kind of fun. And then um, recently, my daughter and I have decided that um, we're going to become house flippers. So we've been listening to house flipping podcasts. Nice. <laughs> that is awesome. There's your hiking. There's your entrepreneurial thing to fund your horses. <laughs> that's right. Might might happen. Might happen. Sure, you're tired of listening to me ramble on um this is fun though awesome thanks for riding along know someone that would be great to interview have questions you'd like answered on the podcast send me an email at beyond the saddle podcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media you can connect with us and learn more about the beyond the saddle podcast by following us on facebook and instagram at at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.